So the big question is, how do healthcare experts like you generate more income, impact more people, and create businesses that work around their lifestyle and serve their family? If you want the answer to that question, then you're in the right place at the right time. Whether you are a physical therapist, a dietitian, an occupational therapist, a chiropractor, MD, or other healthcare expert, this is for you. My name is Javier Carlin and welcome to Healthcare Business Radio. Join me and follow along as I learn, apply, and share the top business growth strategies that I'm currently using to grow my own business and to help you grow yours using only the best insights and advice from top industry leaders. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Healthcare Business Radio. This is your host, Dr. Javier Carlin. And today I'm excited to bring you a very special guest, Dr. Jessica Drummond. She is a physical therapist, a women's health coach, and a licensed nutritionist. She is the owner of Integrative Women's Health Institute, a seven-figure business and global company that has clients in over 60 countries. Jessica, thank you so much for jumping on today. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Absolutely. So if you don't mind, um, for those that don't know uh, much about you, if you don't mind just sharing your background a little bit and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So I started my career as a physical therapist, originally in orthopedics, and I pretty quickly specialized in women's health and pelvic health. And I did that for about a little more than the first decade of my career. And partway through that, I had my first daughter and I experienced kind of a health issue. Um, My hormones were out of whack and I had an Epstein-Barr virus reactivation. So I was pretty sick for a couple years sort of trying to figure out what was going on. And that led me to find the world of functional medicine, functional nutrition. And I realized that if I could optimize my hormonal health with some relatively simple tools, nutrition, lifestyle medicine, that I could bring those tools back to my patients with chronic pelvic pain. We worked with a lot of complex chronic pelvic pain. And back then the surgery was, were not as good. There were really very few tools other than opioids and physical therapy was great, but there was a plateau among those most complicated clients. So I brought that functional nutrition lens back to the clinic and I began to work with complex uh, pelvic pain in a more integrative perspective, both with nutrition, lifestyle medicine, and also the work of health coaching, which allows us to tap into what we're kind of also just starting to talk about more, the underlying trauma, the emotional issues that either cause or are caused by some of the chronic pain symptoms, you know, just safe spaces, communication skills for getting to those kinds of issues. So I, I worked with people initially, and then pretty quickly I began teaching this. So we, I started the Institute around 2009. um, And then I had another baby and those first 10, 15 years of my career, my husband was a consultant, so we moved a lot. And so when I started this business, I built it digitally, which in 2009 was a really different thing to do. And, but we were moving and my, you know, I was like home with babies and stuff. And so it worked out really well. I did a lot of traveling and actually I've I've done tons of traveling up until the pandemic started. So I was marketing and teaching in person, but the core of the company was always built digitally, which has been what's allowed us to reach so many countries. And the most challenging part in the beginning was just that we didn't have the kinds of tech tools that we have now that make it much simpler. Wow, that that's amazing. And you know what? What um, I know, I, I think it's so it's so neat that you really got into this because of your own experiences and then realizing that this was, I truly believe it is a missing component, this skill of, of health coaching and coaching in general, that's not taught in, in, you know, traditional school and physical therapy and other healthcare professions. And I know you're, um, you know, a big proponent of having these health coaching communication skills. And, you know, what I, what I have found, and I, I said it in the past, I'm like, it'd be really interesting if there are, you know, for, for, for my experience, like there's been patients where I'm like, 
this person needs some life coaching before they even need physical therapy. So they actually show up to the, right. you know, to, to the appointments and, and can actually, you know, benefit from what we have to offer. So I'm curious, like what your take is on that. And I know a lot of people are, feel like that, that there is a missing piece in their practice and how they're practicing right now, but they also don't have, you know, whether it's true or not, they don't have the time to actually spend with the patient to have these types of conversations. So I'm curious on what your perspective is on that. And uh, if that's something that, that you talk about how to integrate that or, you know, from personal experience, like what, what have you noticed with that? Well, I think it's not so much that physical therapists don't have the time by and large. I mean, certainly depending, you know, if you're seeing four orthopedic patients at the same time, you don't really have time. Most physicians don't have time, you know, it just depends on your setting. But if you're working in a, a practice model where you have at least 30 minutes with your clients kind of one-on-one, -on -one, you have the time, but most physical therapists, one, wouldn't recognize the need and two, don't have the skills. So coaching requires us to, to kind of stop the clients, change their expectations as well. So, you know, I would see a lot of clients who had been to the best, you know, people at Mayo Clinic and the top urologist and the best surgeon. And first of all, clinicians can be intimidated by that. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, this is a really complicated patient. No one, even the hardest people couldn't help them. They need something complicated. You know, we've paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for our education. The answer to this complicated thing must be complicated. But the truth is that's almost never the case. It's actually the opposite. So when you have someone who really like the, the standard tool, the medication, the trigger point release, the dry needling, the manual therapy, the, even the exercise didn't fix it. We were asking the wrong questions and we had the wrong, wrong expectations, both us, the healthcare professionals and the patient themselves, because that's what they think this is about too. I show up, I get some assessment done, they figure out what's wrong with me and they fix it. But, you know, especially for more complex issues, first, you have to set a foundation of health. And like you said, really even before that, before we look at nutrition, lifestyle medicine, hydration, sleep, you first have to look at where does health fit in with someone's life as a priority, as resources, where are they, you know, where are they in the stages of change? Are they ready to, you know, commit to doing their physical therapy exercises every week? Are they ready to show up to the appointments? Are they ready to do that for a consistent time over a long period? So they have enough time to see the effects of healing. Are they ready to do, to kind of be the leader of their healing team? So those communication skills help us assess all of that before we really even take someone on as a client, because if they can't see that model, first, there's work to do around where does this fit into your life? That, that is so powerful. And I think that would, you know, naturally, it solves a lot of the problems that, you know, happen, especially in like a, a practice setting or when you're working with patients, let's say you are a physical therapist and you start to notice that they're not as motivated, they're not showing up, they're canceling, they're not getting the results because of that. And it's really that missing piece. And that missing piece is actually one of the first things that has to happen in order to increase the, the chances of them getting the results that they came in for in the first place. So I think that's so powerful. And, you know, I think my, my first question should have been like, what is a health coach? I think that's a great place to even go back and start, right? Because for a lot of people, I think it's a little abstract and it's just a matter of, of understanding it and, and learning more about it. So, so like, you know, from your perspective, like what, what is a health coach? What, what do they do? Who do they work with? And, and what does that all look like? Yeah. So health coaching, because it's, much less regulated than other health professions that you don't have to be licensed. Increasingly though, there is certification, board certification, and there are billing codes. So this has evolved pretty fast in the last decade. So I do expect eventually health coaching will be a, a more clear licensed profession. Right now though, it's just like life coaching or parenting coaching or relationship coaching or financial coaching. It's literally anything. And so that makes it confusing because there's a lot of people on Instagram being like, I'm a health coach and they just teach you how to make smoothies or something like that. But the, <laughs> the truth is 
that health coach, health coaches in, who are professionally trained have a set of communication skills that help support people around health lifestyle behavior change. So that can be anything from committing to an exercise program, taking medications consistently as prescribed, you know, addressing stress and relationship issues, changing nutrition. And then usually health coaches, the way we teach train our health coaches, and we're overseen by a third party board called the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaching, where you can get officially board certified globally um, and is increasingly required if you're going to work in facilities in the US, that we combine that skill of health of healthy lifestyle behavior change communication, like where is someone on the stages of behavior change? Are they ready to take action? Are they kind of just thinking about it? Have they made, taken action, but now they're stuck? Overcoming barriers to change, you know, they love, they would love to exercise, but they have six kids under the age of five, you know, what are we gonna do with that? You know, those kinds of things. So there's the behavior change, stages and there are things like what are the obstacles are they internal things like difficulty setting boundaries or imposter syndrome issues or things like that or are they external and more practical you know they don't have the resources they don't have the skill set and then we layer on top of that education around lifestyle medicine so anything from a basic walking program to you know adding fruits and vegetables to hydration to getting better sleep and sleep hygiene based and at the core those things are very simple and then the health coach will work to have that client learn that they have the power to be in the leadership role around their healing so if they need more in-depth clinical nutrition or physical therapy or fitness education or whatever Sometimes, you know, very often health coaches are cross-trained in some of those other things so they can give some of that education and even licensed in some of those other things. But if they're not, you know, I'm not a surgeon. Some of my clients need surgery. So we help those clients choose actively and, you know, in the driver's seat, they choose who's going to be on their health team and they're making and owning those decisions. Wow. And I think that that's incredible because I feel like for, for many people, right, they're either told where to go, they do a little bit of research, sometimes not at all, and they end up making, you know, decisions just based off of, well, this is the first, you know, place I found, this is the first person I was sent to, and that can have so many ramifications from, from not doing your due diligence and, and, you know, really understanding number one, what's going on. And number two, what are the options that are out there to help me? And I think that is so key in, in even just coaching someone on how to, you know, find someone that can help them specifically who they resonate with. Cause I think that's a, a big part of, of it as well. And um, I didn't even think about that part, which, which I think is huge. That's yeah. We call that sort of like building your web of support and it's mm. clinically and it's also at home, right? Because if you're a working mom or you're a grad student or something, you have to think about where is the space to work on your life? You know, as we talked about the kind of life coaching component, where is the space to work on your health? How acute is the issue? You know, how big of a priority is it? And that's going to vary from situation to situation. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned something and we don't have to go too deep into this, but uh, I know as, you know, healthcare professionals, there's a lot of uh, concern in the legal structure of, you know, the rules and regulations and what we're able to do and not able to do. And there's a lot of questions around that. So I, I'd love to know, and I'm sure you've done extensive you know, research and, and the legal, you know, background work, but what does that look like for, let's say a physical therapist, right? That is, you know, I'm in the state of Florida, let's say in the state of Florida, and I know every state's a little bit different, but what does that look like for a physical therapist who's like, you know what, I either want to go into health coaching as a part-time thing or a full-time thing, but I'm, I'm kind of fearful of what could happen to my license. Like what, what does that all look like for, for healthcare professionals? So first of all, the skill set of health coaching, the communication skills of behavior change, are valuable that, you know, as something you can just integrate into your practice. If you never want to like bill for health coaching, call your health, call yourself a health coach, whatever, 
I think all health and wellness professionals should have the communication skills of health coaching as just a part of their skill set. And you're not going to necessarily bill for anything. You're just going to be communicating with your clients in a way that's really empowering and gets to the roots of some of the issues of why they might struggle with your clinical recommendations, as we talked about before. So that's one way health coaching can be used no matter what your license is. Now, if you would like to begin a health coaching practice, maybe you want to work with a group of people who you want to help pull together those wellness strategies around one thing, like whether it's sleep or pain or whatever, then I do strongly recommend getting a board certification and BHWC board certification. And of course, every business owner must have an attorney. Um, and I suggest you work with an attorney who, who is skilled in scope of practice law in healthcare. And that way you can make sure that your business entity is set up appropriately because that can vary. In some states, you have to have your physical therapy practice very distinct from your health coaching practice if you're going to be doing both things. Uh, if you're only going to be health coaching, that's fine too, but you want to make sure you have the paperwork correctly set up so that basically your clients know what you're doing. Are you going to be doing physical therapy? Are you going to be doing health coaching? And of course, there's a lot of gray area in that because both physical therapists and health coaches can make hydration recommendations, exercise recommendations, basic nutrition recommendations, sleep recommendations, right? So there, there is, there's a lot of gray in almost any situation that's involving these questions, which is why it's so important to make sure you have an attorney who you know helps you set up the correct documentation, the correct, you also need to have an insurance provider, make sure you have everything appropriately insured. And, you know, those kinds of things are really important. And I think anyone who's setting up a professional business of any kind, particularly in healthcare, you just have to be aware of where the gray area is, how you're mitigating your risk, you know, what paperwork and agreements and contracts and things like that you have in place and that you're getting skilled recommendations from an attorney, an insurance provider, a financial manager, things like that. And I think that's what people should do no matter what kind of healthcare business they have. It'll protect you and it also protects your clients because you become more clear about what you're offering. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think one of the things for, for people, it's like, if it is something you want to pursue, if it is something that maybe it's either just to add it to your to your you know skill set to use in, in your in your practice or where you're working now because like you said I think those communication skills are invaluable and they're not you know they're not the same as what we're taught in school many times it's like typically the complete opposite <laughs> whereas right, right? And yes. yeah I'd love to hear your input on that because I know like we're uh, we're trained to be experts and always telling people hey you have to do this this is what we're going to do but when it comes to coaching it's a little bit different so Absolutely. That's, this is a really important point because in our health coaching certification program, the licensed clinicians actually struggle more with learning the skills of health coaching than people who come as career change, complete career changing. And that's because in our graduate programs for our licensed clinical practice, we were taught that essentially our role is as the expert who is going to find the answer and heal the patient. That's actually not true and impossible, which took me about 15 years to learn. <laughs> so I'm hopefully shortcutting this for some of your people. <laughs> we can't do that. We don't have the power. And so it's really frustrating. I think that's one of the big keys to burnout, honestly, or compassion fatigue. Like, what am I doing wrong? Why haven't I fixed this? You cannot, quote unquote, fix another human being. You just don't have that power. So what I've, what I learned personally and what I see all the time in my students who are licensed health professionals is once you learn the skills of health coaching, even if you never, you know, put your shingle out as a health coach, your life as a physical therapist, a nurse practitioner, a dietitian, nutritionist, occupational therapist, doctor becomes so much calmer because you change you learn to empower your clients to heal themselves rather than thinking of yourself as a mechanic for a human, which is just not the same as a robot. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, a big distinction. And you mentioned the word uh, expectations a few, th- a few times. And I think that, you know, related to compassion fatigue and, and burnout, right? When we have expectations of, of ourselves or someone else and those expectations aren't met, we get frustrated. And I think that so many people, like a part of it, that frustration is coming from, you know, exactly what you just said, is understanding that we're not here to fix people per se, even though that's what we're taught that we do, but we're here to help people make better decisions about their own health, because there's so many factors that come into play when we're talking about health and someone's life. There's so many different things that we can't take into account. Uh, you know, in that short amount of time that we're spending with someone most of the time. And I think, I think that's so something that we don't really, that a lot of people don't really think about. Uh, and it can really make the difference in someone's life. If, if we start to think a little bit differently about how we are communicating with, with the people that we serve. So that, that is, that's, that's huge. You know, and the thing is, it's not that the clinical skills are, in, are not valuable because those skill, the skill of assessment, making recommendations, helping explain people the science that underlies likely causes for their symptoms or likely likely contributors to their symptoms is all part of their information gathering. And there are recommendations we can make that are probably going to be helpful. But the thing is, is there's very few things where like there's a cause, there's some like magic bullet treatment and then everybody's all better. It's just, that's just not how this works, especially when you're dealing with more chronic conditions, you know, but even if someone like fractures their leg or something like that, they go in for a relatively clear surgery. Someone's going to put a rod in it or whatever, then they're going to come out of that. And there's a progression for how they exercise, how they walk on it, how they're functional but like what they eat matters, what time they go to bed matters, how much stress they have matters, their alignment matters. You know, there's all these factors that we don't have complete control over. You know, did they get an infection in the hospital? Did they have allergic reaction to the, to the uh, anesthesia? Did they not tolerate the antibiotics? Did the antibiotics cause a yeast infection? I mean, you know, nothing is like, you do this and it's fixed, but that's the perception. And so everyone gets frustrated, the clinicians and the patient when it's not like done. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. So I know in, you know, obviously you, you've built the, uh, you know, your business and, and multiple ones along the way. Um, when it comes to, because I know you, you teach uh, quite a bit about the business side of things, I, I believe so in, in your uh, health coaching program, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we have a business mastermind. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Oh, that's that's amazing. So, what what are like the the top? You know, when it comes to let's say, you know, if you want to be a health coach and you want to grow your own practice in health coaching, like what are the the top two tips that you give to people that want to grow a practice and obviously a successful one at that? What what would you say? Well, I think the first thing is to choose something that's recognizable by the public as a niche offer. So being specialized, not just from a marketing standpoint, but something you can really dig into. You know, I've been helping people with endometriosis for like 22 years now, and we do other things, but that's like the vast majority of my clinical and coaching practice, right? Is complex pelvic pain. Now I could start something different or whatever, but Being clear about the problem you help people solve, which is called niching and marketing, is important not just because of the marketing, because you want to be known as someone who helps people solve a specific problem, because then they know what the heck you do. But also, if you commit to that over the long term, you're actually going to be pretty good at it. You're also going to build a network, because as I said, none of us can do this in isolation. Every patient needs a team. Every client needs a team. You know. So you're going to know those people, you're going to be com- you're going to know where the conferences are, you're going to learn more and more about that subject and really be an expert in guiding people through this healing process. So niching is really important and then the second part is consciously choosing your business model. 
because a lot of times I see people doing things like I have a, you know, a $7 program and I have a $10,000 intensive six month program. Those two things, even if you have like a $400 course and like a $2,000 in, you know, intensive coaching, one-on-one coaching program, which are sort of closer, the marketing of those two things are actually two different businesses, not just the marketing, but also like the admin, the delivery, the tech, the team you need to run it, whatever. And every product for a solopreneur digital business like this, it is an entirely different business because you're marketing to two entirely different people. And if you don't actively choose that, if you have like 17 different products that are all different prices and they're marketed to different people, you're never going to be profitable. Yeah. Yeah. And I see that happen so often. And like you said, it's, it's a different business in the sense that you're, cause you're, ha- you're having to focus on the marketing of it, the sales of it, the delivery of it. Right. And everything else that happens behind the scenes and um, that, yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense. And it doesn't mean you can never have more than one product, mm-hmm. but you have to commit to one thing at a time. Mm for a minimum of like three years. And, you know, periodically you could teach a less expensive workshop. It could be a lead magnet, really. There are things you can do that reach a broader audience. You can do free offerings to to reach a broader audience, education, things like that. But you have to make a decision. And that really comes down to business model, which I think you should do. You should make that decision based on two main things. So one is like if you're doing a volume model of a program that can widely reach people in a kind of general educational standpoint, like something like a fitness program or postpartum recovery program, you know, something like that, that people sort of just follow on their own. If you're going to do that, it's fine. You're reaching a wider audience. You're going for volume. And you're, you're just focused on the numbers of people enrolling in that program. And you want to make sure that program is as DIY friendly as possible. So the program itself has kind of some things built into it to keep people moving through it. Um, and then you want resources for them so that, because oftentimes that's just not going to be enough. You know, most people don't actually do online programs. In fact, only 4% of people who purchase books ever even read them. So like... That's mind blowing. (laughs) Right. So like the downside of creating these kind of low cost, high volume things is 96% of the time, someone who buys it is not going to do it, which is a problem for you actually, because you then get a reputation that your stuff doesn't work. And so you have to be really careful with that and think about how much you care about that and how much you're going to kind of keep people motivated to actually execute is will there be a coaching component? You know, what could you do to improve that? And then, but that kind of thing is potentially more, um, not, I wouldn't exactly say passive, but you're not like working one-on-one with people and your time is spent in customer service and marketing and optimizing your program. And so that's a little bit more flexible in the sense that it's it's not exactly meetings, right? You're not like scheduling meetings at certain times. It's more difficult to be profitable and you have that problem of people actually not doing anything in the program, but it can be really valuable if you do it well and you fully commit to it. I mean, there are some really good programs, like something like Mutu System is a postpartum diastasis recovery program one product. They've been optimizing it for at least 15 years. She started right about the same time that I did and super valuable, you know, probably 10,000 people have benefited from that program at this point. So you can be really committed to one thing over the long haul and that can be fine. And also in that sense, you're going to also start to develop your management skills because you want to build a team to help you deliver that. Or you can choose um, a kind of group coaching model where it's a little bit customizable, but there's that support within the group. So the person has more support to actually get to the finish line, but you're designing the program for groups. 
So you're designing the program for like 75 to 80% of the population or 60% of the population. So most people are not going to fully solve their problem in your like three month program, but they're going to make a lot of progress and they're going to learn a lot so that they know what their next step should be. Who should be on their team? Who else do they need to consult with? How do they maintain the progress they've, they've made? And that can be a really good model too, because you're working less expensively with more people, but, and so, and then you would either launch that or have people enroll in it consistently, but you've got a support network for them built in and it can be customized, but only a little bit, or you have really just one-on-one coaching, which can, is highly customizable. You can extend or shorten the program. I, I suggest having a skeleton of it that people can then change within, but you really know those individuals one-on-one. It's much more uh, high touch and high, uh, pro- high cost for the client, but the results are much more likely to be successful. And you can really watch that. You can really be careful of who even gets in your program. Um, And so when you think about which of these business models do you want to follow, you have to think about the kind of just life you want, you know, what, how do you like to work and what the clients need in the niche model that you've, the, the niche subject area that you're most interested in. So, you know, we work with complex pelvic pain clients. The one-on-one model is just really the thing that's most effective. And yet I have some graduates who do work in endometriosis who do other, other, those other two models, also very successful, but they're marketing to a different subpopulation of people. They're marketing to people who are maybe just starting along the journey and need the educational tools and a little bit of movement or they're more just introducing them to the world of integrative healing in the subject of endometriosis or pelvic pain. So that's what you have to do. You have to be really mindful about who is this for? What do they need to be successful? And then is that how you like to work? Yes. I've never heard it explained that well and in that much detail, because a lot of people have those types of questions. It's like, well, you know, should I do a course? Should I do an ebook? Should I do a coaching program? What does that look like? And there's, there are factors to consider, like you just, you know, so eloquently uh, explained. And I think, I think it is important to understand what, uh, what you want, number one, but also what's going to, you know, if you really are about the impact and the results, well, not saying that the other, you know, two things that you mentioned at first don't at least start someone on that journey. Um, but it does, there are options. So, and, and that's, that's neat, right. That there are different opportunities, but it's also important to, like you said, choose, stick with one, choose one, you know, do that for, I think you mentioned like three years and then potentially add a different, a, a different level to it. So that, that, yeah, I think that and, that's great advice. You know, and some of the, it's not to say that the sort of more volume models don't work. They do, but you have to be thinking about consciously what do, what do you want people to get out of it? Because sometimes group coaching is actually better than individual coaching because you get the benefit of the community. You know, for postpartum recovery, it's one of the best things because people love to like connect with each other in that population, Right. So, or even like athletes all recovering from ankle injuries at the same time or something like that, there's some real camaraderie that's even better than one-on-one coaching. So that's why you just have to be conscious of it. Not that, that there's inherently one model that's better than the other. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So I know, you know, over, cause you've had this, this company growing for the past 12 years and I know there, there are so many levels to what has to happen to get, you know, any business to the level that you've been able to grow yours to. What are, you know, what are the keys to building a company that is sustainable for the owner and for the employee's health? It, which is interesting because as, as health coaches, like it's so easy. And I see, again, healthcare professionals where they're thinking about others and thinking about how we can help all these people with all their health problems. And it's so easy to forget about, about actually taking care of ourselves at times. And even more so when you, when you have a business like this, where there's a lot of moving pieces. So what, is, what does that look like? And how, you, how have you been able to manage that? Well, I, you know, I think the first five years, ideally 
you're strong and healthy. <laughs> Quite honestly, I think it's important to know that because you're going to be working a lot. You're going to be speaking as much as you can, writing as much as you can, getting out there as much as you can. You know, I literally traveled like all over the world. When I first launched the health coaching certification, I traveled anywhere in the world for about 18 months that a group of 20 people would listen to me. I just got on a plane, whatever it took. And there was another period of time. Well, really around that time, you know, I had a nursing baby, like it wasn't always simple, <laughs> but fortunately my mom was super helpful. So I think in the very beginning, you just have to commit to working a lot because the thing is, while I'm explaining those models and things very specific in a lot of detail, you also have to just test. Everything is a test. You know, there, you're not going to do it right the first time. You're going to build the wrong thing. You know, everything is a test. You're going to build this awesome group program and then you're going to find you put way too much content in there or you didn't talk enough about this or you have to really work on your coaching skills around this or you've got the wrong refund policy in place, whatever. Like there's all these things that you're going to mess up. And I think that's helpful to know too, because one of the things that my students struggle with the most is like, it's not ready yet. You know, I don't have, I'm like, so the guy who runs LinkedIn or who owns LinkedIn, I don't remember his name, but his famous thing is like, if you're happy with what you launched, you launched way too late. I never build anything that I haven't sold yet. So and then I'm building it like a crazy person <laughs> while I'm delivering it, right? So I don't have to do that anymore because we have a lot of stuff. But the first five years I built it all while I was flying it and it was messy and we made a lot of mistakes, but I actually don't really see any way around that. Like I feel like everyone has to do that because otherwise you haven't gotten your hands dirty enough to really know your clients. You want to be in their head all the time. You really want to know your one ideal client. You should know as well as JK Rowling knows Harry Potter. You really should. And you can't unless you go talk to them and listen to them and give them stuff they hate. <laughs> so the first few years is a commitment, but then you've built something. Then you can begin to see what parts of it you like to do, what parts of it you're not as good at. You know, I, I have a assistant who's been with me like 11 years now who is super organized. I'm much more of a mad scientist. So she has to keep everything on track or I'm like, you know, so <laughs> you hire those people that fill in what you're not great at there are certain skills you just didn't learn. Like you shouldn't bother to learn how to build like a funnel. Like maybe you're the copywriter, but hire a tech person. You're a clinician, you're a coach, you're, you, you should communicate with your audience, but you don't have to build everything. You, you know, you have an attorney, you have a bookkeeper, you've got an assistant, like you should start filling in those gaps. So you have to develop your management skills. And you, again, have to be really deliberate about what you're offering, how much time you have to do that, and where your business fits in with your life. Because it will change what your goals are. You know, you can't make seven figures just writing blog posts on the weekend. Like, it, it's, you just can't. You can't? What? <laughs> <laughs> Dang. I mean, maybe there's one guy who's done it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard of him yet either. So. <laughs> but there's a perception of that, right? You know, you see all these like marketers teaching marketer marketing to marketers. I don't know. If you're an awesome affiliate copywriter and you started in 2005, you could probably do that. But now, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think I don't think that's a, that's a thing anymore. <laughs> no. So so the point is that this is a it's, it has to be a heartfelt commitment to your clients and to yourself. And when you build it with a strong foundation like that in their best interest and with boundaries, because I mean, especially if you were working from home, like you can work all the time, you have to eventually 
slow that down and be clear about when you're working and when you're not working. And that does take some discipline because once it is kind of up and running, have some confidence in it. And that might take a few years, but it, it will happen. Then have some confidence, create clearer work times, and they can be all over the place. I mean, that's one of the beauties of it. You can be as flexible as, as you want with your schedule, which has been great because I've been doing this. My oldest daughter is just about to be a senior in high school. So, and I've been doing this since she was like four. So, you know, and I had another baby in the middle. And, and so that's really wonderful because I've been physically at home with my kids their whole lives. Now I'm working sometimes and they know that. And even at the beginning when they were like 11 and three, I'd be like, okay, because I was working over, you know, I'd be like, okay, I have calls in Asia tonight. Claire, you're cooking dinner, putting Kate to bed. You know, my husband was a consultant, so he was traveling. And you begin, to, you have to set up your life of when you're working, when you're not working. And yet it was really nice, especially during this past year when my kids were schooling from home for a while. My 17-year-old comes in and talks to me sometimes, or we get lunch together or whatever. And I can go to any of their stuff that I want. I have as many vacation days as I want. You know, there's really no limit to that, but you have to be clear about those boundaries on kind of a week by week basis, if not all the time. Yeah. And I think that's so great to hear because a lot of people, it's interesting, you know, some people think that the, the more your business grows, uh, the more, and it's funny, the more work it is now. It can be true up to a certain point, but if you do it the right way, you hire the right people, you build a team, then you actually learn how to work less. And it is a lot of boundaries you have to have. And I think I feel like a lot of, um, you have to get rid of a lot of the ego part that sometimes we have thinking that, well, no one can do it better than I can, right? And a lot of people struggle with letting go of things. I fortunately, first, I think I let go of things a little bit too easily, <laughs> but, uh, but, but that's the thing. It's like you, yeah, you know, it can be, like you said, in the beginning, it is work, right. But it's working towards something that can actually allow you to buy back your time and have those moments like you've had with your kids and with your family. And I think that that is definitely a hundred percent worth it. So. Yeah. So absolutely. I think if you build something that you've been committed to, you can begin to walk a, walk a back from it a little bit. But I, I think the even more exciting thing about that is you get to choose what you want it to be. Every year you can kind of actively create what you're most wanting to do with it. And that's really fun. I don't, you know, I'm 47. My kids are starting to move into like college and I don't have any interest in retiring because I can do whatever I want and I really enjoy my work. So um, it's once you've built it, it serves the people you're trying to help and it also serves you. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, over over the past um you know, several years as you've been building this, is this something that you've figured out on your own? Did you have mentors, coaches along the way helping you and guiding you? Or what was that journey like for you? Both. I've definitely had a coach most years, different coaches at different times, you know, learning different skill sets, other times just being clicked into a community of like-minded people, I think is really valuable. Um, different conferences around this kind of work. You know, you have to sort of create your own mentorship path because it's it's not corporate. Like there's no one you're exactly following, but look at people who are doing interesting things. And there's, you know, I definitely suggest being connected with coaches most of the times. Every once in a while, it's good to just kind of give create your own space and and make sure you're choosing the the kind of work that you want to do, that you're executing the ideas that you have in the way you want to. But I think most of the time, it is really valuable to have either at least a, a mastermind community or something like that. Awesome. And you know, over let's say, you know, what, what's one thing that you've learned in the last month or so? about either your life, your career, your business that has completely changed your perspective? Well, you know, I got sick six months ago uh, with COVID and that changed things a lot because I, I literally couldn't work. Like last year we had a really big year, but I worked a ton because I didn't travel at all. 
which two things happened with that. One, yay, I actually don't have to travel for work anymore, which I liked at first. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's given me a lot of cool experiences I've been to. I've been paid to go to the Chinese Olympic Training Center, teach in Melbourne, Australia. I've been all over Europe, all over the US, Canada, and paid to do essentially all of that, which has been really fun over the last 10 years. Um, but it does get tiring. <laughs> so it was nice to know I didn't have to do that. But then secondly, when I couldn't work, that was challenging because you don't have vacation time. You know, I don't really have disability insurance. I have health insurance, but I don't have like long-term dis like you have none of the stuff that you would have if you worked in a hospital. And when you're the breadwinner and you get sick, that's a challenge, you know, that kind of sick. But if you have a strong team, a strong infrastructure, you work from home, you can work a little bit when you're sick. You know, fortunately, I had the capacity to work a little bit almost the whole time other than a few weeks. And what it taught me was that I really am at a point where I get to absolutely control how much I would like to work. And I still am serving the people I'd like to serve and support and help. Uh, my team is great. You know, we, we didn't, we actually hired people during the pandemic. Um, we didn't lose anyone. I was able to keep supporting my team and financially was just fine. So that's very freeing because it allows for literally doing whatever you want, including having this space and time to heal if you need it. So yeah, yeah. And I, I think um, that that again is just a great reminder for for everyone just, you know, what it is that you're actually building and, and why that initial, you know, hard work is worth it. Because there are going to be, you know, things in life that happen and come up that you just can't control. And to put yourself in a position like that, you know, that doesn't happen overnight, but to be able to have that opportunity to, to, to be in that position is, um, it's, it's something that, you know, a lot of people don't have, um, but it's out there for, for everyone. And, you know, we don't think about those things happening, but they can. And, you know, like you said, you were, you were, you were fortunate enough to be in that position where you had a team, you had the support and you were able to take, you know, even if it wasn't months off, but you were able to slow things down and allow yourself to heal. And I think that's so powerful to, to know for sure. And, you know, as we're nearing here, so what are your, like, what are your plans for life and business? Let's say in like the next five years, what does that look like for you? Well, truly the, the last six months, we've been just assessing, fine tuning and holding it all strongly together, right? Like make sure this is solid. And we actually took off, I, I stopped adding new clients to one of our businesses. I really just froze it completely in time. We had a really, really successful in endometriosis digital coaching program that I just stopped taking new clients. And so it's given me the space now that I'm starting to feel better to think about that. And I'm, I'm essentially giving myself the next six months to decide because just because you can do something doesn't mean you have to. And while our clinic was super successful, I love that program. We had a lot of people do really well with it. I may or may not open it back up. I don't know. So we might do something else. And that's the beauty of it. I think it's important actually to periodically just stop, take a month, a couple months, whatever you need, and ask yourself that question. And for me, I haven't determined the answer yet, but we're, I have the space right now to ask that question. And, you know, if you're going to have longevity in this kind of work, you need to be doing that all the time. It's sort of a continuous refinement. You know, if I'm going to keep doing this for 20 more years, you have to pace yourself. Yes. And I think the, the really neat thing about it, all of it is that you're in a position where you have the choice, you have the options. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's, again, another benefit of, of seeing the vision initially to the point where it's like, Hey, we're growing something here that can not support itself, but that has a team that's backing it up and that, that can still run without a lot of your own time. And you can step back and have that space to make even better decisions uh, that, that aren't, you know, a lot of people make decisions based on where they're at, the stress that they have, the requirements or responsibilities that they feel they have. But when you can take that step back, you really, like you said, you know, are able to 
to really feel like what is it that I want to do and what does that look like? And, and I, that, that's, that's really amazing. So um, if you don't mind sharing with our audience, like where can they keep up with you if they'd like to learn more about uh, you and your work? I know you have uh, a free copy of your book, which um, we can you know, send people to as well. I think that'd be amazing. So uh, yeah, where, where can people find, uh, find out more about you? So the website is integrativewomenshealthinstitute.com. That's all our programs and such. Uh, you can connect with me, ask any questions, follow along what we're up to on Instagram at Integrative Women's Health. And if you'd like a free copy of Clinician to Coach, uh, which is our book about building a successful health coaching practice, just go to clinictocoach.com. Awesome. Jessica, thank you so much. This was amazing. I'm sure everyone got a ton of value. Um, so thanks again for being here. Thanks for having me. It's been my pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everyone, have a great rest of your day and we'll see you in the next Thank episode. you so much for listening to this show. I know your time is valuable and I know that you are here to learn how to build a successful business. So I have something special just for you. If you are a healthcare expert who is in business or is aspiring to be, and you're curious about how to grow a profitable, impactful business, then you are going to want to pay attention because as a listener of this show, I want you to win. So I've created a bundle of resources exclusively for the listeners of Healthcare Business Radio. If you are tired of trying to figure out this game of business, marketing, and sales all on your own, and you are ready to implement what's already proven to work, rather than reinventing the wheel, you are going to want to head over to healthcarebusinessradio.com forward slash insider. And there you will find over $7,000 worth of trainings, resources, and coaching that is only available for listeners of this show. So if you want to know how to increase your income, impact more people, and build a business that works for the lifestyle that you want and that serves your family at the highest possible level, head over to healthcarebusinessradio.com forward slash insider right now so you can win big in your healthcare business and in life.